Good evening. It's good to be with you again. And it is a beautiful day. It's a wonderful setting. And I have uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time with you this week. And it's always a great joy to be with brothers and sisters in Christ whom I love and whom I've gotten to know over the years. And it is always a great privilege to be invited somewhere to preach. And I count it a great honor. Tonight, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful that you are here. And I hope that what we look at this evening will be helpful to you. When I was invited to hold this meeting and I learned that it was going to be a mission meeting, um, I wasn't sure exactly what all I would preach. Still don't know all that I will preach. But I knew that I wanted it to be fundamentals and things that got back to the, the basics. And over the past couple of nights, we, we talked about faith. We talked about building our faith, where faith comes from. Last evening, we talked about um, facts, faith, and feelings. The feelings that we get when we respond to the Word of God. But I also recognize tonight that not everyone who, who is confronted with the facts will respond the same way. Sometimes what we hear is it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are honest and sincere. I'm sure all of us at some point or another have heard that. Maybe we have even said that. Maybe we used to believe that. Maybe we still believe that to some degree. But the question really is not um, does it matter what you believe? We're going to find out that it most certainly does. But the question is, what does it mean to be sincere? And I've got a question here tonight, simply, are you sincere? Now, whenever you ask someone if they are sincere, you might get a little pushback because that seems to be judgy. But we find that sincerity is something that God is interested in. We're going to talk about what it is. And we're going to talk about some signs of sincerity tonight. I want to begin by noticing the prayer of the Apostle Paul. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more, and in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be, and here it is, sincere. Paul prayed that the church at Philippi, among other things, they be sincere. God wants us to be sincere. It is essential. It does matter that we are honest and sincere. Um that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. God seeks sincerity among His people. He's always done that. In Joshua 24, verse 20, uh, 14, uh, Joshua said, Now therefore, therefore fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity. Even in the Old Testament, God expected 
not only did they were they expected to obey by giving the proper sacrifices but he expected them to be sincere in their offerings and that's exactly what Joshua 24 14 suggests in the New Testament in Titus 2 7 in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine showing uncorruptness gravity sincerity again God seeks sincerity among his people now the question is how can we tell if we are what are some signs of sincerity now like I said a while ago when you ask the question of someone they might feel a little defensive and they might even get a little upset at the insinuation that they may not be sincere if that question is posed and I want you to recognize tonight that I'm not up here judging you or judging your sincerity but you must judge your own measure of sincerity when we talk about sincerity questioning someone's sincerity we most certainly understand we're talking about something that you can't really see with your own eyes it's uh, you know someone's genuineness is not something that uh, you can you can look into their soul and look into their heart and you cannot read their mind and you cannot uh, question their motives because only God can do that matters of the heart matters of motives can be seen though in 1 Corinthians 2 11 for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him nobody knows what's in the man man's mind unless he somehow communicates it or demonstrates it sincerity can be communicated and can be demonstrated Acts chapter 1 verse 24 again the idea as they were trying to find out who God was going to appoint to take Judas's place they prayed and said you O Lord who know the hearts of all men who is it that knows the hearts of all men you O Lord God does Jimmy Cating doesn't know the hearts of all men and so he said, uh, he prayed, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men, show which of these two you have chosen. Now, the word sincere actually comes from a Greek word, hilakrinus, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from hilai, which means literally the sun's rays, and it conveys the idea of being judged by the sun. Um, being tested as genuine now this is actually portrayed or denoted in how the word is used in the Latin now the Latin word uh, sincere or the Latin word sine which means without kira which means wax the idea is that sincere literally is without wax and it's it comes from this ancient understanding and practice of a sculptor who would who would take 
a piece of marble or maybe a piece of wood and he would craft an image, maybe carve a statue and he would be working very diligently and carefully and oops, he would make a mistake and uh, he'd chip off something or maybe it would crack and it wouldn't be worth as much. So to hide the mistake, he would take some wax and he'd fill in the cavity or he would uh, fill in the crack. But a, but a, a, a sculptor that wanted to portray his work as authentic without flaw, he would set it out in the sun and it would be stamped sine cura, which is sincere. The sun would most definitely show if it had wax on it because the sun would uh, melt the wax. It would be judged to be genuine. And so sincere is simply that. Something, someone who uh, is proven to be true and genuine and someone who is tested to be the real thing. And therefore, sincerity can be tried. Sincerity can be tested. It's tested by the sun, by the decisions that we make, the difficulties that we endure, the troubles that we face. All of that will have an impact on our lives and it will, one way or another, test our genuineness. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, that the trying of your faith might be proven genuine. So how is it today that we can see some signs of sincerity? The heart is revealed by our actions. Matthew 15, 18 through 20. Proverbs 23, verse 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you, uh, what you believe will be manifest in how you behave, most certainly. And so what are some marks and so, some signs of sincerity? Let me give you five, four or five, and the lesson is yours. We can go to the Word of God and we can see those who were obviously not sincere and we can learn what it means not to be or what it does mean to be and the first example is given to us by the enemies of Jesus we know that Jesus Christ was pure he was the master teacher but he was encircled by a bunch of of enemies that did nothing but to try to entrap him and uh, their honesty their dishonesty was actually manifest. Uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the elders of the people, um, there were some who were sincere, but for the most part, as they're represented in the gospel, they did not have the truth at heart, and they would willfully misrepresent Jesus. And that is certainly a sign of insincerity and so if you want to be sincere you will not willfully purposefully misrepresent someone else now let me give you an example of how they did this in mark 14 verses 57 through 59 then some arose up and bear false witness against him this is during his trial 
and they said, we hear that, uh, we heard this man say, I will destroy this temple made with hands, and within three days I will build, it, uh, build another made without hands. But not even then did their testimony agree. So they began to um, falsely accuse Jesus by misrepresenting something that he said. Now Jesus did say, you destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it again. In John chapter 2. But Jesus was not talking about the physical temple. He was talking about his body. The body, uh, the 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 temple of his body that would be destroyed, that would be crucified, and would be raised again in three days. Now, they appeared that they did not really understand what he was saying until you get to Matthew 27, uh, verses 62 through 63, we know that they understood. Because they don't apply the words to the temple, but they uh, applied it to his resurrection. But it was very convenient for them. It was manipulative of them to take, take the words of Jesus and twist it for their own agenda and for their own uh, propaganda. And uh, that kind of behavior is not a sign of sincerity. Now, people do that to us. People do that with the church. They misrepresent us. They misrepresent what we believe. And that's not fair. We don't appreciate that. And that's really a problem in helping them see the truth if they certainly don't want to uh, uh, really understand what we believe or where we're coming from. But we've got to be careful that we don't do that to other people or other groups. And it's very helpful and certainly very necessary when we are sitting down with somebody to teach them the truth that uh, we don't uh, interject what we we, we believe they already uh, rep they already are teaching or uh, misconstrue that we we understand where they're coming from and don't unfairly misrepresent their position we don't like that when people do that to us about the ba about the Holy Spirit about baptism about the communion and certainly uh, we shouldn't do that to anyone else within the church sometimes we can get in disputes and to get uh, an advantage over someone we can twist what they say and misrepresent what they say but we've got to avoid that because that is not sincere now another sign of sincerity is that a person who wants to please God will be sincere but a person who is overly concerned about pleasing men will often be a hypocrite. They will not be real. They'll be phony, they'll be fake, they'll be a pretender. And that's really the idea. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus in verses 1, 5, and 16, he talks about three different practices about doing good deeds, offering charity to those in need, um, praying to God, and fasting. And he says, when you do that, don't be like the hypocrite. Now, what were they like? They did those things not to please God, but to be seen by men. And the hypocrites perform their service for the motive of elevating themselves rather than glorifying God. They don't really so much uh, want to be 
uh, applauded by the God of heaven as much as they wanted to be patted on the back by their fellow man. We can be very, we can, we can uh, be very deceived into falling into the trap of pleasing other people. Even religious, even religiously minded people can do the right things for the wrong reasons. Now, we understand that a hypocrite is someone that puts a mask on. They pretend, and then once they leave the stage, they take it off, and the real person is not seen when they're performing. They're an actor on a stage. That's not real. They have wax all over their flaws, and they're not genuine. Among the rulers, many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue, if, uh, for they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Think about that. These people believed in Jesus, and they could have been saved by Jesus, but instead, they don't confess him, they don't acknowledge him, and the reason is because they had a higher concern from the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now this danger is repeated throughout the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 7, Paul tells us, Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart. There it is as to Christ not with eye service that is don't just do what you're doing to to tickle the ears or to appear to be a certain way to certain people no but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart that's the sincerity the will of God uh, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men. A sincere person understands that his audience is God and he will therefore muster the courage to do what is right regardless of what others do, what others say, or what others think. Are you sincere? That's the question. How do we measure up in that sign? Here's the third a sincere person will be open-minded. They will be teachable. They will be conformable. They are not so blinded by their preconceived ideas that they will deny the truth when it is presented to them. Now we all like to be open-minded. We all at least like to be considered, at least think we're open-minded. And that characteristic is actually a noble trait. We find in Acts chapter 8, verses 29 through 31, the Ethiopian, the eunuch. Last night we talked about the Ethiopian. And uh, I have a sermon, a different sermon about him, but I call it Philip and the Unique because he was so different. And this is one of those areas that he was different in. He was unique in that he, he was... Uh, worshiping God, willing to uh, sacrifice for God. He was reading the scriptures. 
And yet he was willing to let someone else help him and guide him, recognizing that he didn't understand fully what the scriptures teach. When he was asked, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I except someone should guide me? And that's exactly what Philip does. And he comes up and he sits with him and he opens the scripture and he teaches him from that scripture, preaches unto him Jesus Christ. Now, he wasn't so gullible that he just believed everything without investigating. Now, here is a man that was being taught, but he was pointed to the scriptures. And so this leads to the fourth point about sincerity. Not only will they be open-minded, but they will be willing to investigate and criticize and scrutinize what they hear before they believe it. I heard the other day, we need to be open-minded, but not so open-minded our brains fall out. We've got to be willing to compare and contrast and not be gullible uh, or uh, susceptible to believing every wind of doctrine, everything that comes along. I love to be loved. I love to be respected. But I don't want anybody to believe anything I say simply because they like me, they respect me. Because here's the truth of the matter. I've been wrong before. I will may be wrong. I may be wrong in the future. And what I want to point people to is not my opinion or my charisma or my conviction, but the Word of God. And let them see and let them develop their own faith and investigate for themselves. Now, we find this noble characteristic among the Bereans, whom the Bible says were more noble. Now, then, when Paul was up there in Macedonia, Thessalonica, the, uh, and then he comes over here to uh, Berea, the Bible says, then the brethren immediately sent Paul and si Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived there, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. They, uh, these were more fair-minded. That is, the King James says noble. They were more noble. They were fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word of God with readiness. Oh, they were willing to listen, open-minded, but they searched the Scripture daily to find out whether these things are so. You ever wonder why there's so much religious division and confusion in the world today? Here's why. There's a lot of people that are spiritually lazy and are willing to just follow and let somebody else do their studying for them and then they get up and teach and then they just willingly and gullibly believe everything they hear and they say, well, that's on the preacher. If he's wrong, that's on the pastor. Well, no, that's not the case. The Bible says, yes, uh, the, those who tell a lie will give an account, but if the blind lead the blind, they both shall fall into the ditch. The only advantage of following somebody who is leading you astray is that you're on top in the ditch, but you're in the ditch. Doesn't make sense that we would just blindly follow and be gullible and say, well, if they're wrong, they'll give an account. But guess what? If you're wrong and I'm wrong, I'll give an account too. And here's the great Apostle Paul who had the ability to work miracles 
manifest His power by the hand of God. And yet they were so concerned that what He was saying was actually true. They listened, but then they went home that night and they searched the Scriptures to compare what He said with what God had also said. And when they matched up, you believe it. If they don't match up, you better not believe it. You better not follow it. And a sincere person will be teachable, but they will not be gullible. Last of all, and you've been great. You've been listening so well. But the last point I want to make here is that a sincere person, a sign of sincerity, is that they will change immediately when they do find the truth. Now we see that with the Ethiopian. He hears, he's been reading the Bible. He's been reading the scriptures, specifically Isaiah 53. I love this story. Here's a man that had been to worship. He had been from Ethiopia, right? Ethiopia is about 1,500 miles, I think, from Jerusalem. And uh, maybe that's a round trip. I can't remember if that's a round trip or one way, but that's a long way in an old, dirty, dusty chariot, nonetheless. Would have taken about 30 days to get there. Spent about 30 days in his service in the temple and uh, no doubt uh, being involved in the, uh, the, the, the feast and the sacrifices and so forth. Then he would be making that 30-day trip home. And uh, he was a eunuch. The Bible says that. And that suggests that this man could not actually have access to the 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 temple like the normal Jew whether he was a proselyte or or what have you he he was only able to go so far but he was willing to go as far as he could and when he was done he didn't have enough he couldn't get enough a sincere person who loves God and wants to praise God and find their 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 faith in God's promises they will they will fill their cup and it will run over and they will fill it up again. And he didn't have enough of church. You know, a lot of times people today, they have, you know, they, they, they go Sunday morning, maybe, maybe Wednesday night, and that's, that's about all. That's about it. But someone who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, they can't get enough. And he's reading. And he's studying. Some of us might say, well, you know, we've been to church for 30 days. I want to take a break. Not him. He's still reading. He's still studying. And he's perplexed. He's confused. And when the preacher who was sent by God providentially, no doubt uh, Philip obviously was sent directly by God, but where they met up, oh, it was a providence, I believe. Jerusalem was was about uh, one day journey from where they intercepted and Samaria was two days and so he would have had to leave Samaria a whole day before the eunuch left Jerusalem. But they met up and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I accept someone should guide me? He got up in the chariot and he read and he began to preach and he began to teach 
We don't know the whole details of that sermon other than he preached Christ unto him. But we do know through implication that it involved the commission that Jesus gave his disciples when he went back into heaven. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 15 and 16. He who does not believe shall be condemned. And therefore, when this man said, see, here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? We do know that the element of baptism is water. It's seawater, not ocean water. I'm talking about physical. What sea? Here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And he stopped the chariot after the, the preacher said, if you believe, you may. And he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Do you know what he doesn't say? He doesn't say, oh, look, here's water, and that water isn't going anywhere. It's here every time I come by. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you know, this is very different than what I'm used to. Let me go home to Ethiopia, study on it some more, talk it over with the family, and see what they say. He doesn't say that. He says, here's water what hinders me from being baptized. Right here, right now. What was, the, what was the, the point? What was the prevention? And the preacher said the only thing was your faith. If you believe, you may. If you don't believe, you may not. That's the implication. Baptism is for a believer. And he got down out of that chariot, went down into the water, and he baptized him. He changed immediately. And he went on his way rejoicing a sincere person will change when they know that they're wrong that's a mark of sincerity it's been said it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are honest and sincere well it does matter what you believe because you can be sincerely wrong you can be honestly mistaken, and so can I. But what happens when a man who is honestly mistaken learns the truth? Two things, two options, two possibilities of what will happen when a sincere seeker learns the truth. He will either cease being mistaken or he will cease being honest you will either stop sinning or you will stop being sincere that is the mark that are that those are the marks of sincerity perhaps there are others and we're not suggesting, and the, the Bible isn't teaching, that we change immediately going into something blindly without really believing. But once you uh, investigate what the truth is, and you come to the conclusion of what the truth demands, then your sincerity demands that you change, that you be genuine, and that you obey immediately. That man was sincere. And he obeyed. He had no idea when he left Jerusalem what was going to happen on the way home. But the truth hit him in the face. And he had a decision to make. 
And that's the way it is often in our lives as well. And the question is, as you ask yourself, are you sincere? Well, here are some measures that will help us answer that question. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not yet a child of God. We want to invite you. We've heard the gospel over the last couple of nights and uh, uh, certainly the gospel speaks for itself and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, depend upon the eloquence and the smoothness of a preacher to be able to convict the heart of a sincere person. But if you're here and you have never obeyed the gospel, never have been baptized, maybe you're like this Ethiopian, we've got water. We don't have it right here, but we'll find it. We'll get it. What, does hinder, what hinders you from being baptized? And if you haven't, we'll help you. And you go on your way rejoicing. And you go on your way growing and developing your faith and applying the Word of God and growing in your sincerity. As Paul would say to the church, this wonderful, beautiful church at Philippi, oh, it is my heart's desire and prayer to God that you be sincere. And God's prayer is not only for those who have never obeyed to be sincere, but those who have obeyed continue in their sincerity and truth. And if we can assist you and help you in any way, please come while we stand and while we sing.